please welcome to the stage for a conversation on public safety and justice, Chairwoman Terry Gobin of the Tulalip Tribes, Chairman Peter Yukupicio of the Pasquayaki Tribe, Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta, United States Department of Justice, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, United States Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Deb Holland, United States Department of the Interior. This discussion will be moderated by Bob Anderson, Solicitor, United States Department of the Interior. Welcome, everybody. It's great to be here with you today, and we've got an awesome uh, uh, panel uh, to have a really important discussion. I'll, I'll get into that a little bit more, but let me start by introducing uh, our panelists who came from farthest away, and I'll start out with uh, Chairwoman uh, Terry Gobin uh, from the Tulalip Tribes. Uh, she's been there at a long time at Tulalip in many different capacities in the government, starting out as a secretary and receptionist, working in various commercial uh, uh, enterprises, uh, both on and off the reservation, uh, marina, port director, uh, and head of the uh, tarot office. Uh, she's currently the uh, chairwoman, uh, and we welcome you, uh, Chairwoman Gobin. Uh, next is Chairman Peter Yucapicio uh, of Pasquayaki Tribe in Arizona. Uh, he's been serving the tribal government as an elected official for six four-year terms, four of them as the uh, chairman. Uh, he's uh, also a cultural leader uh, within the community uh, and brings tremendous uh, experience with uh, the issues that we're going to discuss today to the uh, table. Immediately to my left is Vanita Gupta, the Associate Attorney General. Uh, she's the third ranking official, official at the Justice Department. Uh, she oversees divisions uh, that are really important to the Department of uh, uh, Interior and to Indian Tribes, the Environment Division. Uh, the Civil Rights Division uh, and the, the Tax Division and, and the Civil Division. She's got a, we were chatting backstage and Benita, like me, has a, a lot of experience suing the government uh, and we bring that uh, experience to our jobs every day and sort of understand the issues that are coming before uh, our departments. So thank you, Benita. Uh, next is our uh, Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, he's the first Latino and immigrant uh, to be the uh, confirmed Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. He's got 30 years as a distinguished practicing lawyer uh, in, in both uh, public and private practice. He served as Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security in the Obama administration. Uh, he's an expert on human trafficking and immigration law issues. So thank you, Secretary Mayorkas, for joining us today. Our last individual, I'm not sure if she's been introduced to you before, uh, but she's, she's my client, uh, and I'm, I'm wonderful. it's just wonderful to be here with uh, Secretary uh, Deb Holland, uh, and Secretary, you told me not to read your long bio, so I won't, but uh, thank you for coming, and, and, and thank you so much for hosting this wonderful event. All right, so we'll get right into the meat of it here. Um, we all know that uh, public safety in Indian country is a complex web of uh, uh, Indian treaties, federal statutes, state laws sometimes, uh, and many, many uh, Supreme Court decisions that uh, conflict with each other uh, and create an incredibly complex uh, 
situation within Indian country. Uh, as of late, the last 20 and 30 years, we've come to really uh, notice and, and come to terms what's been happening for a long time, the uh, missing and murdered indigenous persons. Uh, and I think a lot of our, our young people uh, have brought this issue uh, forward into the attention of, of our leadership. Uh, and a year ago uh, at this conference, virtually, uh, President Biden signed Executive Order 14053 uh, that took official note from the White House of, of this issue and uh, directed uh, various departments to uh, get to work on uh, uh, the important issues raised by the MMIP uh, question. So let's get uh, into our, our first question. For We'll start with Secretary Holland, uh, uh, A.G. Gupta, and Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, tell us uh, what your departments have done uh, to address the MMIP epidemic, what steps you have, have taken in response to the president's EO. Secretary Holland. Thank you so much, Bob. And I, I just, thank you, Bob. Thank you. Bob leads us so incredibly well here at the Department of the Interior. I know so many of you have known him for a very long time. Uh, just know that he is dedicated and, um, and so incredibly smart. So thank you, Bob, for the work that you do here. We're, I'm so proud to serve alongside you. Um, I, first, I, I just want to say, and we've said this over and over again yesterday and today, it's an all-of-government approach to Indian country that President Biden has charged us with. And I just want to um, highlight the dedication and the, the commitment from um, both the Department of Justice and the Department of Homeland Security um, to all of these issues. And so I thank you both for being here with us today to show that commitment and to speak on these important issues. So one of the most important things I think that we have done, um, you know, when I, when I was running for Congress, um, the missing and murdered indigenous persons, people's crisis, it was not necessarily a mainstream issue. It, it was probably important in some communities, but it wasn't across the country. And, and so uh, Sharice Davids and I worked very hard to raise that issue up with all of our colleagues in the House, and um, uh, we were able to get a bill passed, and we, we did some other things to make sure that pe more people were talking about this issue. Now here at the Department of the Interior, uh, since April 2021, we started our Missing and Murdered Unit. It's um, 17 offices across 12 states. They're all staffed with investigators who are working on these cases. And to date, we have been able to solve 570 missing and murdered indigenous people's cases. They have solved, thank you. I said we, but obviously I'm not the one doing the hard work. It's the, it's the incredibly dedicated staff that we have in those offices. They have also solved 90 missing persons cases, or that includes 90 missing, missing persons cases and six murder cases. So the missing and murdered unit is working. Um, we need to make sure that we can continue to support that, um, that unit so that it will continue to do as it is meant to do, and that is to help us uh, make sure that, that our people um, do not go missing without a trace. So thank you, Bob. I think that's the thing I wanted to highlight. 
Great. Well, thank you. Let me just start by saying what an honor and privilege it is to be in this room with all of you. Thank you so much for the leadership you provide and the moral guidance that you provide to all of us working here in the federal government every day. It's also always an honor to share the stage with the secretaries and with these amazing tribal leaders that I just had um, some time to spend uh, in, in behind the scenes. And Bob, thank you for your partnership. Um, so as the Attorney General uh, said earlier today, the Department of Justice has taken great care to ensure that our efforts to advance public safety and to address the MMIP crisis are done in, with a kind of spirit of collaboration and cooperation with our tribal and federal partners. And we know how much work there is to do. Uh, as Secretary Holland mentioned, um, the Justice Department and Interior Departments work together to develop this joint comprehensive law enforcement strategy to prevent and respond to violence uh, against American Indians and Alaska Natives, including MMIP. And we submitted a report in July that it describes our strategies and next steps. And I just want to um, mention a few of these highlights. And these are actions that we are hard at work implementing. Uh, first, uh, the, as the Attorney General said, uh, the FBI and DOI, uh, the BIA's Office of Justice Services, are entering a new MOU that is being announced during this meeting that is going to really clarify the investigative roles. It's advancing and promoting training for law enforcement personnel that, to have experience with MMIP. It's defining best practices um, for resolving crimes in Indian country. And the goal of this really is to have significant reform in the kind of coordination that we do across law enforcement uh, and to have a sense of shared responsibility to address crimes that are occurring in Indian country, including MMIP investigations. The second thing that I'm actually proud to announce right now is that um, today the FBI and the Office of Justice Services from BIA are going to be embedding law enforcement officers from the unit that Secretary Hahn was just describing, the missing and murdered unit, uh, into FBI headquarters. Uh, into the unit at FBI headquarters that is charged with investigating uh, um, Indian country crimes. And having MMI experienced staff actually embedded in these teams at the inception of an investigation is going to expedite and enhance how we are able to uh, investigate and solve these MMIP cases. The third thing I wanted to lift up was that earlier this year, the Deputy Attorney General um, sent a memo to each of the 94 U.S. attorneys across the country stating as a top priority the need to address the disproportionately high rates of violence experienced by American Indians and Alaska Natives, including with a specific focus on the unacceptable rates of missing and murdered indigenous persons. And this wasn't just a declaration in words only. There were very specific directives to each of the 94 offices to basically revise the operational plans about how we investigate these cases, the time that we're taking to investigate them, to prioritize victim advocacy and um, safety, to address unresolved cases, including MMIP, and to combat violence against women, and then to have accountability measures to make sure that we are collecting the data that we need to truly understand the breadth and scope of this problem. And so I think, you know, at bottom for the Justice Department, we really view this work as 
reflective of all that we are learning from you every day, from the consultations that we do throughout the year, from what you are telling us you need in your tribes and communities. Uh, we view you as indispensable partners. We cannot do this work without you. Uh, and we also know, something that is top of mind, and Bob alluded to this, that a recent Supreme Court decision has really um, corroded some of the this notion of the fundamental sovereign right of tribes um, to determine the appropriate means for securing public safety uh, for their people and to govern their lands, and that's the Castro Huerta decision. And we've been listening to many of you the last few weeks to understand what the operational and legal impact is, and we are continuing to evaluate how we might be able to better clarify um, you know, what, what the issues are presented and to ensure that we can do everything we can to honor our treaty and trust responsibilities continue to ensure and support public safety in Native communities and respect your sovereign powers, so. Uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, we are very proud through our Center for Combating Human Trafficking to work with the Department of Interior and the Department of Justice uh, to advance this critical mission. But I want to take a, a step back, if I can, uh, for a moment, uh, and first express, as Vanita did, uh, how much of an honor it is to be able to be here with uh, tribal leaders, tribal elders, and tribal members. Um, and um, Secretary Holland, thank you so much uh, for the privilege of being here and for the invitation. You know, one of the most important things that we are doing uh, in executing on the President's order is actually listening and learning. Uh, I remember uh, when I visited Montana and um, engaged with tribal leaders there. Um, they expressed concerns with respect to how we in the Department of Homeland Security were engaging with the sovereign tribal nations. And um, in certain aspects of our work, how we lacked cultural sensitivity. Understanding uh, the practices, the history, uh, the traditions, and the needs of uh, tribal members. And so one of our greatest areas of focus in following up on the President's executive order is to ensure uh, that we do um, perform our work with cultural sensitivity. And cultural sensitivity is a shorthand way of respecting and honoring the dignity of sovereign tribal nations. And uh, through listening and learning, we can do the work that we do, whether it is investigative work in support of the Department of Justice and Department of Interior, or provided much needed relief and support uh, to tribal members through our Federal Emergency Management um, Administration uh, in whatever work we do in the Department of Homeland Security. And so what we have done is we have formed the first ever Tribal Homeland Security Advisory Council, where tribal leaders uh, will engage directly with the leadership of the Department of Homeland Security, uh, I included, um, so that they impart knowledge to us with respect to how we can work best with them. And uh, the chairman, uh, the chairman, I'm very proud to say, will be the chairman uh, of this advisory council. And I think that is incredibly... Uh, we're, we're incredibly uh, proud and honored uh, that uh, Chairman Yucapicio uh, has agreed to serve in that capacity. We need to do our work in a way that respects the dignity 
of the tribal sovereign nations that we serve. And so I think that's a very important effort that we have underway, and we look forward uh, to executing on it. Thank you, Bob. Great. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and uh, let's uh, move right on to the chairman, Chairman uh, uh, PCO. Uh, what are some of the strategies that Pasqua Yaki is implementing to deal with the public safety in general uh, and uh, uh, missing, murdered Indigenous persons uh, in general? So take it away. First of all, good morning. Using Chaneo in my language, in Spanish, buenos dias. As you can see, we are trilingual. And I will tell you that from our creator, we ask him for permission to live, to say a few words, to come and share our soul and our heart with you. Tribal leaders, I have, if I have your permission to go ahead and speak, then I'll be okay with that. You know, uh, first and foremost, um, we have been working very hard, and we knew that it's a complicated world, things were coming. And some of our elders said, you have to get ready. And some of us didn't understand what that meant until we started facing a lot of things, whether it was COVID, whether it was jurisdictional issues, where it was um, agreements with, with some of the entities like the cities, towns, governments, all the way around us. So that started the whole thing. But, you know, first, we would like to thank the Department of Justice, the BIA, Department of Interior and Homeland Security uh, for all the support they've given to our tribe. Every turn that we've taken and everything that we've done with their guidance has have been so helpful and so, I think, respectful is the word. That's how we came to be with, you know, where we're at today. We, um, we also want to and have implemented, you know, SORNA, TALOA, VAWA 2013, VAWA 2022, and restored uh, jurisdiction. We have invested in or investigated in over 100 domestic violence uh, cases by non-Indians against Yaqui men and women. And that's amazing when you start thinking that it took a while to understand that why are they not picking these cases? Why are they not doing this? And why is that person still on the streets and he's still walking even though he hurt somebody? And one of the cases that, you know, I, I came to be because it was a relative of mine, it was a non-tribal that got, pulled the lady in front of the kids, dragged her on the street, and stuck a screwdriver in her chin and all the way to the back. That hurts. That hurts us as a people, as tribe, as women, as families, and you're destroying not only that family, but every single attachment to it, children, grandparents. And that's what we have to do. We have to all work together, tribes, agencies, on preventing all that and making our communities safer and safer. And that's why I think it's so important to sit here with these great people and you to get to that point where we now have jurisdiction we now have been a pilot. We now need the way our own tribal people understand, and we know them better than anybody. So those are the kind of things that we're doing. And then, you know, third, third, we work real close with the Department of Justice, the BIA, U.S. Attorney's Office. Um, we have um, all these uh, help and grants and stuff. They're out there. Just go ask. 
don't be afraid to ask because the thing you're doing is protecting your people. So with that, I turn it over to you, Bob. Thank you, Chairman. That was uh, uh, really moving and uh, important words that you, you shared with us. And you know, when we talked yesterday, I was struck by you know, how you were telling me about the, the way that you've cooperated and, and deal with other sovereigns in your jurisdiction to you know, protect your people. And it was, it's quite impressive to me. Uh, and uh, also quite impressive is uh, uh, Chairwoman Gobin uh, and how the Tulalip tribes, uh, along with Pasquayaki, have been a, a leader in, in VAWA implementation, uh, being one of the uh, pilot tribes from 2013, uh, and also you know, uh, a leader in, in pressing for the uh, uh, VAWA Reauthorization Act of 2022. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about both of those issues and, and what it's meant to, to Indian country uh, from your perspective. Thank you. Hashudabitsi, good morning. Shehelos is my traditional name. Um, Tulalip was one of the first courts to exercise a special domestic violence criminal justice jurisdiction under VAWA 2013. And in the first year, we made 15 arrests. And however, one of the things that we noticed that was Half of those cases involved, you know, involving the non-natives included crimes against our children. And they were not covered by VAWA 2013. The state and the federal government had jurisdiction over those crimes, and only one was prosecuted, and that was by the feds. So only one child saw justice, and it was a pretty horrific case that was brought forward. So all those other children never got to see justice for what happened to them. And that, you know, breaks our heart that that happened to all of those, all of those kids. Um, we use this data along with other data that we had showing the importance of, to extend the protections to Native American victims of sexual violence, stalking, trafficking, and child abuse. And the VAWA Reauthorization Act of 2022 was a huge win for our public safety in our community, along with other tribal communities, especially for our women and children. But VAWA 22 was an important second step. Now we are looking to build on that momentum and do more. And when we think about our tribes took this initiative early on, and we have court systems that handle it. You know, it's a learning curve. We've been working on this hard. But what about all the tribes that don't have this, and all the children and the, the women that are, that are not seeing justice for the crimes that have happened? And the state or federal government are not picking up those cases. It breaks our heart to see that, but that's something that we need to work on together as tribes throughout the nation. Thank you. Thank you, Chairwoman. Uh, let me pick up on that point. You know, we've talked about uh, the importance of uh, apprehending uh, and holding the perpetrators uh, responsible for their actions. But, you know, and I'm going to start with this, uh, Associate A.G. Gupta and then go back to uh, Chairwoman Gobin. Uh, 
What about the, the tribal victims, the actual victim and, and the families and, and the harm to the community? Um, how can uh, we uh, better support uh, those victims uh, through our laws and institutions? So um, there is a lot that we have learned over the last many years, including from some of these horrific stories, the under-enforcement of our laws, the under-protections, the lack of sensitivity, cultural sensitivity, linguistic sensitivity um, with um, tribal communities and victims. And the Justice Department has taken so much of that learning and so much of it has come from all of you and we are going to continue to hear from you, listen to you, learn from you what, how we may better serve victims in your communities as we put together an array of things um, to, to, to better support. One of the things that we've done um, that the chairman alluded to is the grants. Um, we do have a lot of grants now that are dedicated for tribal communities. Um, and just this past year, our Office for Victims of Crime uh, gave out 169 grants, about $116 million to close to 200 uh, uh, tribal and Alaska Native villages for all kinds of victim services and supports. It was to pay for the salaries of victim advocates, to um, support civil legal assistance for victims, to make sure that uh, victims who needed emergency grocery and housing funds could access it and use um, federal funds to support this. Uh, we've been um, providing this funding to support greater culturally specific, linguistically appropriate uh, victim services. So our grants are a really important way that we can support tribal-led, tribal-informed strategies to better support victims. And as you said, Chair, and I would welcome your help and all of your help to make sure that the word gets out about how we do our grants, how your communities can access them and the like. Um, we also just last month put out a, a revised um, guidance, guidelines for victim and witness assistance, uh, really to make sure this is the first time uh, since uh, that we've been putting this guidance out. The last time we revised it was 10 years ago, but the first time that we have a specific section uh, on how to best support victims in Native communities. Uh, and it has been informed by, as I said, all that you have told us over the years, but it includes things like additional privacy protections for child witnesses, best, in, best interview tactics for children who have been suffering abuse and the like. Uh, I know the Attorney General mentioned this new position that we have instituted that, like um, Secretary Maricus was talking about for DHS, is going to keep us honest and accountable. Um, it's a new position to serve as our Native American liaison with our 94 U.S. Attorney's offices, uh, and I know that that liaison is going to be doing extensive outreach, but to make sure, again, that we are able to best support uh, what you need. And then I just want to end on what I thought was a really inspiring meeting in Alaska that happened in September, where um, as part of our effort to implement the 2022 reauthorization of VAWA, and I'm sure you've given a lot of applause for that reauthorization. We cannot lift our hands enough to say how important that legislation is. But we held, there was over 600 people at this meeting in Alaska, about 55 tribal leaders who were giving us all kinds of testimonials, information, crit criticisms where they were deserved about how we can do better to ensure the full implementation, uh, to make sure that we had culturally aware 
uh, approaches and that we um, were seeking recommendations about how we can better uh, get out our tribal funds program, how we can make sure that we are employing the right tactics to provide for the safety of Native women against sexual assault, sex trafficking, uh, and all the array of abuses and domestic violence that VAWA is really aimed at targeting. My hope is that we will continue this uh, and continue that learning every day that we continue that we forge ahead in implementing VAWA. It's an incredibly important piece of legislation. Thank you, uh, Chairwoman Gopin. So, thank you for all of that because that funding does mean a lot to help us. You know, we know there's federal funding sources for the prosecutors, judges, and victim advocates, but not always all the costs um, for the victim um, and their services. The tribe is always forced to pay out-of-pocket things to keep those victims safe, um, such as you know making sure that we got them into housing, cell phones, security cameras, even fencing in their yards to keep stalkers away, or you know whatever it may be. We we've picked up those costs, and um, these are prosecution costs that you don't see through the lens of a courtroom but they are very important for the safety of that victim. Um, and each case is different. And while some of these costs are, you know, seem insignificant, they do add up. And I think our main goal is to provide those services just so we can keep our, um, our victims safe. Because when they're um, getting ready for whatever it may be in court, that's when a lot of people are lost, and we want to make sure that we don't lose other people in that we're taking care of, protecting them. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Well, st sticking with the, the tribal leaders, uh, uh, Chairman, uh, can you talk a little bit about Pasquayaki and its uh, law enforcement and public safety priorities uh, going forward here? You know, uh, we have been blessed that, you know, for a long time uh, we have worked on all these implementations of everything <laughs> that's simply put but simply we asked we were a pilot tribe we have gone through the ringer we have gone through the ropes and everything else it's time now for full jurisdiction from the tribes to deal with these issues and that's what we simply ask our courts our lawyers all law trained, everything, it rivals any court in the country, any town, any city, any government, tribes. If you really, really support all this and you want to know a little bit more, we have a gentleman sitting out here by the name of Mr. Fred Urbina. Mr. Fred Urbina is an excellent resource to help and guide you as a tribe as to where are the contacts and what can you do. We are so blessed to have our own tribal attorneys, our own tribal courts, everything, and we are now ready. We just need Congress, members of the White House staff, and everybody in the interior to start looking at. Tribes are ready now for full implementation and jurisdiction of its own way of life. So thank you. All right, thank you. Chairwoman? Chairwoman, go ahead. Okay, um, so are we still talking about this one or are we yeah. jumping on to the next? Okay, because I wasn't sure Talk if we were. Next, next subject. Uh, yeah, it's, 
it's so important that um, there needs to be an oliphant fix. We need to get this done. Um, we should be able to prosecute anybody who's committing crimes within the boundaries of our reservation. We, we are sovereign nations, and we, we can handle it. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> this is great, and we're actually a little bit ahead of time here, so this is going to be, we're going to have lots of time for uh, the audience to uh, engage with us. Um, and, you know, I guess since we're ahead, I'm going to ask both the uh, chairman again, the chairman and the, and the chairwoman, to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Castro Huerta uh, and how it's impacted uh, your community and, and what you're doing. Uh, in, uh, in response to uh, that decision that uh, gives additional uh, jurisdiction to the uh, court. Oh, Chairman, go ahead. I was saying ladies first, but all right, she said you go ahead first. All right, you know, first, uh, we don't agree with the Castro Word uh, decision. We started out as a PL 280 tribe and we retroceded in 1985. We took over civil and criminal jurisdictions from the state in Arizona, uh, Pima County. So this case may not even apply to us, in our opinion. So that's that's how we feel. But you know, but you know, for us to maintain control and keep our community safe, and council adopted resolutions to exercise VAWA 2022, and we authorized our prosecutor's office to operate a tribal special deputy county attorney program through an IGA, and with the county attorney, our prosecutors will bring state cases into county court as appointed deputy county attorneys. That's what we've done to exercise our, our sovereign right. All right, that's, that's awesome. Uh, uh, Chairwoman Gobin, anything to add about Castro Huerta and uh, your dealings with that? Um, it's every, we're challenged on every aspect of our lives. Every bit of sovereignty is always a challenge, and we're ready for to stand up together and to make sure that we're doing the right thing for our people. That's basically where we're at on everything. So, terrific! Uh, uh, thank you uh, very much. And uh, you know, now we've got some time for uh, uh, questions from the audience, and uh, I see lots of hands out there. And I think, uh, Wizzy, you're you're in charge of this part of the uh, panel. So please help me out. <laughs> 